Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we are going to talk to Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun to preview the Scotties Tournament of Hearts, which starts Friday in Calgary. Four Manitoba teams, including the four-time champs, and Jennifer Jones, her final Scotties. Plus, Chad Poshimus of the Winnipeg Sea Bears joins us after signing with his hometown team for the second year in a row. That's all coming up on the podcast. The Scotties Tournament of Hearts begins tomorrow night in Calgary as 18 of Canada's top women's curling's team vie for the national title. Gary Anderson's super team out of Gimli won the tournament last year and the year before that and the year before that and the year before that. Yes, a four-peat, but their quest for five in a row is not the headline this week as we welcome in Winnipeg Sun sports editor Ted Wyman. Ted, the big news has to be Jennifer Jones announcing she's retiring from team curling at the end of the season, right? <laughs> yeah. I think so, yes. And I mean, this has been a bit of a tradition in curling lately where curlers are given this opportunity to have a bit of a farewell tour um, when they know they're going to hang it up at the end, uh, get the announcement out there before the last big event, which is the Scotties, of course, this year. Um, there are some Grand Slams left, but this is the one everybody's going to be watching. And, um, and you know, just have an opportunity to say goodbye because really the Scotties has been the, the domain of Jennifer Jones for the last... 25 years I, I was just writing a story about it that's going to run in the Sunday paper in the Winnipeg Sun and and you know like it goes back to 2002 when she first started playing in the Scotties and has been pretty much a fixture there ever since whether it be wearing Manitoba colors or Team Canada or wildcard whatever it may be it's just not really the Scotties without Jennifer Jones and it's going to be very strange going forward I do have a feeling we'll still be seeing her I can't imagine her not being involved in broadcasting or whatever you, uh, you know, whatever endeavor she's in, uh, in some involvement in curling, but um, it, it, you know, you can't, I just don't think you can say enough about what she's meant to the game of curling. And I think it's a great opportunity for the fans to really say goodbye to her in a very meaningful way. Where does she rank in your eyes among the greatest of all time? There is absolutely no one higher on the Mount Rushmore, um, in my opinion. And it really comes down to me whether we're just talking about men or if we're just talking about women or we're talking about men and women. Um, I think there are certainly some that would say she's right there amongst the greatest of all curlers on Mount Rushmore um, for all curlers, not just uh, female curlers. She really has been... Um, kind of a game changer, I think. And I remember talking to Colleen Jones 10 years ago um, at the uh, Olympics in Sochi when Jen ran the table and won the the gold medal. Um, Just an incredible performance at that time, one that hasn't happened again for a Canadian team since that time. And, uh, And she, you know, Colleen Jones just said, even when I played, and I'm talking about Colleen now, it was a different game it became a lot more similar to the men's game as it went on. Um, And Jen really, really thrived in that situation and brought in, you know, the the game just got so much more difficult, but she could stand to any challenge when the the changes came along. And so just a, a trailblazer in the game, and you, you, you know, it'll, it's going to take a long time in women's curling, I think, before you can really, imagine at least a Canadian name that really ranks up there as high. Now, Karen B. Anderson's won four in a row, which is really incredible. It really and truly is. And she has an opportunity without question of breaking Jennifer's record. Jen's going to be topped out at seven at most if she wins this year. 
six if she doesn't. Um, there's a chance for some people to get more, but I think it's going to take more to really topple Jen from that top because of just how much of a trailblazer she was in the game. So let's talk about Kerry, and they're they're two of the four Manitoba teams that are making up this 18-team field. Normally, I think we'd be talking about a team going for a five-peat as maybe the headliner, but they're, I think, flying under the radar a little bit, and I'm sure Kerry Anderson's okay with that. Yeah, I asked her that very question yesterday, Christian, and she said, that's just the way we want it. Um, And I think it's true. I think they are flying under the radar a little bit because – Rachel Holman's team is 38-5 and five this year in games. They're 5-2 and two in finals, and they only had one event when they didn't even make the final. One event all season long. I mean, they've been absolutely incredible. They've beaten world number one, Savannah Tiranzoni, twice in finals. Um, they've just taken down everybody. And, you know, by comparison, Kerry Anderson's team hasn't played. They played in one final in the points bet back in September. They didn't make any of the Grand Slam finals, and you know, the, the, it's not like they've had a bad season. They haven't. They're number three in Canada. But they haven't had the kind of year Holman has. And Jennifer Jones is, is number two in Canada right now as well with uh, the, her performance on the tour this year. And, of course, with her news about this retirement and just all the attention, so much of the focus is going to be on her. It's a great opportunity for a team that should have the target on their backs, like Carrie Anderson's, to indeed fly a little bit under the radar. I think this couldn't be a better scenario for them heading in. They are in Pool A amongst uh, other teams like Caitlin Laws, Krista McCarvel's in that group, Laurie St. George is in that pool. In case anyone missed it, this year they've, guess what? They've changed the format again. And now the first place team from each pool will face the second place team from each pool in kind of like the, the second round. And then... The losers of those will face the third place team. The winners will go to the one, two game. It's a change from what it was before where the first place team would, would be just sitting around waiting to face a team that would win an elimination game, clinch their spot in the final four, and then they'd play to figure out positions in the page playoff. Have I made it clear? Or is it too confusing, Ted? I didn't even want to try Christian. <laughs> I was just going to wait until the playoff started, <laughs> but if there's one thing you can, uh, guarantee as much as death taxes and the sun rising in the morning it's uh, changes in curling playoff formats at the scotties and briar they need to settle on something but i will say this i am very pleased that they made the decision to tie more of the wild card teams into provincial representation i mean it's just a no-brainer it's a great move i believe that is something that nolan thiessen the new ceo of curling canada had his hand in and and now so now you know Jennifer Jones is a wild card team in this thing. Last year she would have been known as Wild Card One, or some ridiculous thing like that. Now her team is called Manitoba Hyphen Jones. I think it makes so much sense. And you've also got Manitoba Hyphen Laws, Manitoba Hyphen Cameron with Kate Cameron skipping. Uh, Carrie Anderson represents Team Canada this year, so that's not that's not necessary. But I think it allows fans a way better opportunity to watch the game and identify with their provincial uh, representation along with the team brand. I, I, I don't know why it took so long to get to this point, but I'm glad they finally did it. Well, because when you're watching two wildcard teams battle in a match that's on TV on the Chiron, it's WC2 versus WC3, and you're writing down standings, you're like, I, I can't remember who's who, right? And and now there's a, a much easier way to identify. And a big part of why this system exists is, to your point, Ted, 
provincial pride and representation is is really that's why the Briar and Scotty still do it like this by allowing just provincial representatives as opposed to just saying the best 10 teams go to this. Yeah, of course. That's what the that's what the genesis of the Briar and Scotties was and that's what it's always been. That's the tradition. It's holding on to that aspect of it by having provincial representation in it. But we all know that was limiting the uh, strength of the field because you could have, say, four great teams from Manitoba. Now, 10 years ago, there's absolutely no way that you'd have four Manitoba teams in the Scotties. You'd have two at most, and that would be the defending champion and the Manitoba representative. So they've done a really good job, I think, of balancing the two situations where you now got all of the best teams there. Everyone that would be in any of the slams is in the Scotties field. And you've got representation from all of the provinces as well. And even the colors, the names, and the wild cards are all aligning and making sense. I often am very critical of Curling Canada for the decisions they make. Right now, I'm, I'm applauding them because I think they've got this right. They've also gotten rid of tiebreaker games which is something that has often thrown a wrench into schedules or they have to jam a bunch of games into a a day on a Friday to get things set for the playoff round. Uh, I mean, you you play head-to-head in round robin. That should mean something, right? I guess so. It it does give it a little bit more credence, doesn't it? But you don't play everybody in the the round robin because there's two pools. In your own pool, though, you do. Uh, I, I do think, though, Christian, that... You, if, if, if I, I haven't even asked Jennifer Jones about this, but it did come up at the, at the Olympics in, uh, in China, in Beijing, and her team did lose out because of last stone draw situations, uh, and there were no tiebreakers. And she would emphatically say, I hate that. There always should be tiebreaker games. I think most curlers would agree with that. There absolutely should be. But I do also believe that this is the way curling has decided to go. The World Curling Federation went this way a while ago. Um, it makes those last stone draws very important. It makes those head-to-head games very important. And um, it eliminates a lot of that. Those extra draws, and I'll, I'll tell you, I think that's more for TV than anything else because um, you don't really want to have to throw on a show uh, at 8.30 in the morning or 11 at night and not really have any ratings for it if you're the TV broadcaster. So uh, I get it. I know why they're doing it. It's not ideal. But it's it's what it is, and I think it's going to work. You know, I mean, I think once everybody gets used to it, it's going to work. So the top three teams from each pool move on to that kind of, I hope I said it somewhat clearly, uh, little playoff round before it goes to the traditional page, uh, one versus two and three versus four. Uh, Usually we can look at the pools and and pretty clearly predict who's going to advance. Top three, I would say from Pool A, Anderson Laws, and then McCarville would be the third one. Yeah, I've already got McCarville as a playoff team myself. Um, she just rises to the occasion always at the Scotties. Just look at the last few years. She's always in the mix for it. Doesn't go out on tour at all. Doesn't have any points on the CTRS. So they're like the 12th seed in this thing. But don't let that fool you. There's absolutely no way Krista McCarville is a 12th seed. Her team, I expect, once again, will be right in the mix for a playoff spot. And, um, you know, I, I know a few people who really are big into – uh, curling betting and whatnot, and I think they're kind of a favorite dark horse team because it wouldn't be the first time she's lost the final twice before in yep. this thing, and, uh, and she's got the same team, and they they know how to play at this level. So um, 
nobody's going to be sleeping on that team. Well, and they've added Andrea Kelly too. So that's yeah, it uh, doesn't hurt, does it? No, <laughs> not at all. And then Pool B, you, you've outlined the the resume for Rachel Holman, the top seed in Pool B. Jennifer Jones is the second seed in Pool B, and then you got to figure out a third team. Is it Kate Cameron making that jump? Is it Carrie Galusha, who's had some good play the last couple of years? Heather Smith has been there before. Who do you see as the th- as the third team breaking through Pool B? Well, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, I, I, is Daniel Inglis in that group? I can't remember. Yes. And uh, Clancy yeah, Grandy I, as well. Yeah. See, I think both of those two are, are definite contenders to get into the playoffs. I thought Grandy played really well last year. Daniel Inglis is an excellent curler who hasn't broken through uh, to, to skip at the Scotties before, but she's been there and she's been a, a, an alternate player for Rachel Holman in the past. And she works for Curling Canada, so she's always at these big events. And I think it's going to be a big, uh, a big week for her and a, and a pretty good opportunity to be one of those teams in the playoffs. I think they're number six in CTRS this year, so definitely not a, a team of shrinking violets there. So I think um, that should be a really good battle in that pool. But, man, Holman and Jones, holy cow. Like, they've just been so good this year, especially Holman. I, that, that is just... It's it's kind of phenomenal what they've done, and they've done it by not playing that much. So the only worry for that team is, did they just not, you know, are they going to be a little bit rusty when it comes to this? Because they didn't get to play in provincials like other teams did. And, um, and you know, they have only played 43 games this season. A lot of teams, you know, European teams have played 70. Oh, wow. 75 games. That's it's a low number that 43 games. So we'll see if that affects them at all as they come into this the biggest of the event of the year. So if I have to ask you for a winner pick, would you be so bold as to make one? Yeah, because I'm sticking with home and I just I don't really see like she hasn't won it since 2017. She lost the final three times since then. She's got Tracy Flurry at third now, who is an absolutely excellent player. They had a lot of growing pains last year because they had Tracy calling the game. And they had Rachel just throwing four stones and, and just not having to think about all the strategy, but just making the shot. Didn't really work. They refigured it again this year. And now Rachel's back calling the game, throwing the skip stones and letting Tracy just be a, a really solid, very good player at vice skip with Emma Miskew down at second now instead of third and Sarah Wilkes at lead. They've just been so consistent. Um, I, you know, they're going to win it again sometime. And I think... This is probably the year, but of course, how do you even possibly bet against Carrie Anderson? Because she's just played, her team just rises to the occasion every single year at the Scotties. This is kind of their domain. They haven't been as good as they'd like to have been on the, uh, on the tour. They certainly haven't been as good as they'd like to have been in international play after they've won these Scotties. But when it comes to the Scotties, they've just been almost perfect. And so I think it comes down to those two again. Um, it should be a heck of a battle. I'm not sure Jones can get that sentimental win. I think an awful lot of people would like to see it. Um, I think it would be an amazing way for her career to end, and I'm certainly not saying she can't do it, but that's uh, some pretty formidable team she's going to have to get through to do it. Should be some great curling action in Calgary. Ted, appreciate your time, time as always. Thanks for this, and look forward to having you on again soon. Always a pleasure, Christian. Have a great one. Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun. the guy that was their first ever signing in 2023 and he joins us now on the CGOB Sports Show. It is Chad Posthumous. Chad, how does it feel to be back with the Sea Bears for another year? 
It's great. It's awesome. It's honestly just a, a wonderful opportunity to be here back in Winnipeg with uh, the best fans in the league by far. Really excited for uh, for the upcoming season here. So you signed with your hometown team last year. Could you have imagined the kind of reception you would get going 12 and eight, selling out the, the whole pretty much Canada life center and just the whole basketball community, how it received the sea bears in 2023. I mean, it's, it's the things that you dream of, right. Being able to kind of play at home in front of all your friends, family, and just the community and just how everybody bought in and the engagement that there was in Canada life center was, was amazing. And it's only going to be better this year. I'm told, uh, They've already sold double the season tickets of last year. So we got some uh, some big numbers and a lot to build on from last year already, and it's already happening. So it's, yeah, it's honestly just super exciting and just uh, an absolute pleasure to be at home and able to do this here in Winnipeg at Canada Life. So from your perspective, what was your personal season like in 2023? Um, personally, for me, it was... Uh, it was a little rougher for me on the court. Um, it was it was really exciting, uh, obviously, everything going around and off the court. And maybe I got caught up in, I guess you could say, caught up in the lights and being at home a little bit. Um, but looking to build on that for, for this year, still did really well. I believe I led the league in uh, offensive rebounds last year. Um, so looking to build on that, hopefully lead the entire league in rebounds again and kind of kind of go from there, play my part assist guys like Teddy Allen, who's uh, just re-signed with us. And obviously amazing to have the, uh, the MVP and the league scoring leader back on our team as well. So kind of just do my part to help these guys be the best they can and kind of lead them. Hopefully, uh, hopefully may give us a little bit better of uh, a record than last year as well. Yeah, you did. You did lead the league in offensive rebounds last year with 76.7 points per game, 6.7 rebounds per game. And for a team that was electric, Teddy Allen, as as you mentioned, he is back, the reigning MVP. That's now two players signed, and I'm sure you know more people that are coming and aren't allowed to tell us, right? Yeah, you got it right there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, there's, there's the uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff though in the in the works here. There's some some big names that we're hopefully going to land along with some fan favorites that'll be back as well. So. So just get everybody stay tuned for it, but it's shaping up to be a, to be an excellent roster, bigger, better, everything for this year. How much of a say do you have in terms of recruiting? Are they tasking you with, with trying to get guys here? Yeah, well, obviously we want the, the best guys that you can in in your city and me being a guy from Winnipeg, I, uh, I like to kind of chat with coach Taylor who's done a terrific job in in getting guys here um talking to them and putting putting us in a position to have them here and then I kind of help out do my best part to kind of explain who we are in Winnipeg what kind of people we are the fans um everything that we kind of bring to the table here in Winnipeg in the summer luckily they're not coming in the winter so we uh we don't have to worry about any of the weather stuff um can usually only talk about the good stuff here so so I help out anywhere I can, and it's uh, more often than not just kind of just relating to the guys on a player level and just, uh, hey, this is who we are. Um, you want to be a part of it? Awesome. What have you been up to this offseason? Because I know that uh, players in this league tend to play year-round. They play in the CBL in the summer, and they find yeah. other spots to play. So what have you been doing? Um, so I elected this year um, to play with Team Canada um, with the three-on-three team. So I was at the America Cup um, with them, 
And coming up here, I have decided not to sign anywhere um, for, for, I guess you could say, traditional five-on-five basketball team because we got the um, Olympic qualifying tournament with Team Canada for three-on-three coming up. So that's coming up at the beginning of May, right before uh, the Seabird season actually starts. And pending on our results there, if we, uh, if we place in the top three out of 16 teams, we will actually move on to playing the Paris Olympics this summer. So that would be the... That would be the goal. I know I might miss a, a few Sea Bears games if uh, if we do win this Olympic qualifying tournament or place in the top three. But at the end of the day, it, it is the Olympics, so it's uh, it's good for everyone, right? Um, which would be obviously uh, more than a dream come true. Not something you even really think about when you're when you're playing basketball, and then this kind of opportunity pops up. No one would ever fault you for missing games to go to the Olympics. That's that would be an amazing experience. What do you think about three on three as someone who's played five on five basketball for a long time? What's the adjustment for you going from five to three on three? Um, It's, it's a lot faster paced game. It's a lot more physical. Um, You're like you score and then you're, you're grabbing the ball out of the rim and you're on defense or flipping over to offense immediately. So it's really fast paced, really physical. A lot of more of it's one-on-one. Um, and that kind of suits my game type a little better, being a really big, physical, large guy um, without the ability for defenders and three-on-three to kind of double-team because if you're double-teaming me, then the ball's getting kicked out for an open three, and, and threes are worth two in three-on-three, and twos are worth one. So it just makes those, those three-point shots and the ability to score on someone that much more important. Um, so I've, I've really liked the transition and playing it. Obviously, uh, at the end of the day, I'm a, a five-on-five player, played with Team Canada with that, and then with the Seabears here, and that's my, that's my main focus for the time being still. But, uh, but three-on-three has been, been awesome. Just the opportunity I've had with Team Canada as well has been great and something that I've really enjoyed so far and hope to continue doing. And who knows, maybe be doing it at the Olympics this summer in Paris. For those who don't know, you are six eleven, and so that is you are a big guy for sure. Uh, the what are our chances in three on three? Where do we stack? You said there's sixteen teams, and we got to finish top three. Where do we figure into the international scene in three on three? So there's there's three traditional powerhouses, which are Serbia, the United States, and China. They've been they've been really good. They've already qualified, um, and then over the next little bit, there's these Olympic qualifying tournaments. The one we're in is the main one. Um, so three teams will go out of that. And then there's a couple more where one team will go. Um, I put us in the top of the pack though, in kind of the groupings here, um, coming up for the tournament, um, that's in, it's actually in Hungary. So, um, that's in May. Um, we're in a, we're in a pretty tough pool though. We face Latvia who, uh, won the Olympics, um, the gold medal and back in Tokyo or the, the last one there. And then we also have France in our pool who is obviously the host of the 2024 Olympics. So, they're going to put their best foot forward to uh, to kind of field the team at home. So we got we got two tough teams and then us. But I like our chances still. We're ranked top twenty in the world. We have some great guys, and then adding me in this year has added a lot of size that they didn't have before. So it's uh, it's looking promising for us. What have you been doing off the court uh, to stay engaged in the basketball scene here in Winnipeg? Um, so I've been working out at the, the Sport for Life Center with uh, amazing trainer there, Jeff Wood, um, doing uh, a lot of uh, just prep, uh, weightlifting training, mobility, do that three or four days a week, 
plus uh, a couple other on-court workouts with another trainer. And then I've been working with uh, Mike Rainbow, actually, out of the University of Winnipeg. He's been putting me through uh, four or five uh, individual workouts every uh, every week. So it's definitely staying in shape in the gym at least three, four hours a day. So we're going to be ready for the Sea Bears. We're going to be ready for the Olympics, hopefully. That's the plan. And looking at the uh, the Canada West playoffs coming up, you've got Mike Rainbow, who coaches the Westmen. You've got your teammate, yep. Simon Hildebrand, who's on the Bisons. Are you allowed to cheer for one or the other? Do you want, you got to pick one, right? I mean, I, I live downtown and, and Winnipeg's a little, University of Winnipeg's a little closer to where I live. So I, I, I think I got to, uh, I think I got to go with, with them for who I cheer for. But at the same point in time, Simon's uh Simon's a little brother to me, basically, and and I have I have some strong ties with U of M, U of M as well. So obviously, I'd be happy if if either of them went on to uh, to the finals there and and won. It'd be it's a toss up for who I could cheer for, but it's uh, it's going to be exciting either way. Some really good teams and players there. Absolutely, two teams that have already uh, gotten buys into the quarterfinals of the Canada West Championship, which are being played next week at the U of M. That should be a lot of fun. Chad, appreciate your time. Thanks for this. Congrats on the new deal. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Looking forward to the season and seeing everybody out there. That's Chad Posthumous of the Winnipeg Sea Bears, captain of the team, back for another year with the club. The season begins in late May and hoping for another big, big season for that club. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the You may not share our intellect, which might explain your disrespect.